0: You're listening to the Far Post Perth Podcast. News, views and banter on everything football.
1: Hello and welcome along to another episode of the Far Post Perth Podcast. My name's Neil Sherwin. I'm back for uh, yeah another week, another chat with Blaine Treadgold. Blaine, what's happening? G'day Neil, how you going mate? I'm good. Yeah, sun's shining. Lockdown is, well, our version of lockdown has come to an end, maybe. So, yeah, there's positives out there. Another positive is uh, welcoming back Donna Dufresne after her little hiatus, uh, ably replaced by Alex Grant, uh, who did a great job. Donna, are you a bit worried that you're not going to be able to live up to uh, to Grantie's efforts?
2: Yeah, I reckon. Bloody Granty. I'm going to have a little word with him about his uh, few comments that he made there. But I'm so glad that I had someone able enough to feel... The big shoes that I
1: have here. Massive shoes, massive (laughs) shoes. And also joining us this week, we've got Kingsley Westside, local legend, jack of all trades, master of some
3: trades, Chris Brady. Welcome. Neil, how you going, mate? I feel very special. I think I've completed the trifecta now. I've gone from Let's Talk football to the World Football Show to the most important one, the Far Post, and I've even started my own podcast along the way. So there we go
1: uh i'll take it that you've used us as an inspiration for your own so that's that's wonderful So now that we're making a difference in the community Um, absolutely we're (laughs) we're gonna go through a a few things today we will be diving deep into the local league stuff because um there's been the news this this week uh, of the restrictions um being amended so that we can start some football related activities so that will that will come up later on but first we're going to kick off with the big news of the day that broke this morning and um I'm not sure whether to laugh or cry when I read the headline and the reaction of some people, but the, uh, the Premier League has been offered an alternative solution to their suspend, suspended season, with Perth considered the ideal destination to host the remaining 92 games. This has been proposed by an English agent named Gary Williams, who apparently lives in Western Australia, and has been backed by a uh, Perth senator, Glenn Sturl. And um, they're e- equally eager to see this plan come to fruition because Perth is a uh, is relatively free of coronavirus so there's that and the uh, the talk has been uh around using up the stadium Perth Oval the WACA and the Mighty Joondalup Arena where I've missed the penalty in my time uh, <laughs> as as a husband for the Premier League. So
3: I can just imagine Kevin De Bruyne, Mo Salah and the lads running around the same pitch
1: where right, I've stuck one wide in a cup game. So that would be right claim hey, to play.
3: Neil, go back a step. They did describe it as the 25,000 capacity uh, during La Arena, which, you, you know, it's a lot of grass. There's a lot of grass hills well the, uh, the the funny thing is uh, when i
1: played at uh june la there was also zero people in the stands so we have that in common as
3: well
1: <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of things in common blaine what was your initial reaction to this when you woke up this morning
0: uh, i i the first thing i was lucky to read is that it was an article out of the sun so i knew to be very very skeptical out of it the second thing was that it had quotes from gary neville so i yeah started to back the hell away pretty quick smart we, and calm out.
2: down there calm down <laughs> Had
1: myself a good
0: <laughs> chuckle about the whole bloody thing.
1: It is, uh, it is, it is sound, sound very far fetched. Donna, before we came on air, you started to rant about this uh, idea, and I <laughs> politely told you to shut up and save it before when we're on air, so <laughs> knock yourself out now.
2: I just think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. And no, I, no, I, we've I, read a lot of,
1: we've read a lot <laughs> of, on, of hold on, hold on hold And on. also,
2: who is Gary <laughs> Williams? I've never heard of this bloke. Yeah. He's supposed to be some sort of, I don't know, Chris, do you know who he is? Because I've never heard of him, and he's supposed to be some sort of manager, a English of Gary, agent. What?
3: There are a couple of Gary Williams knocking around the leagues. Uh, yes. One heard... is an
2: Olympic Kingsway Co- coach. coach? Yeah, yeah. I know him. I've
3: never, I've never heard of Gary <laughs> Gary Williams, agent of the Stars League no. uh, fixture <laughs> negotiator, though. And I like the quotes from Gary Neville. Also, did say we should be playing in Malta. Correct. In That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, this is a. I think this is a case of Fox Sports really have. I know they've had a slow news day. They've had slow news three months now, and I think they are really starting to scrape the barrel on stuff they are reporting on, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that it's syndicated across Fox Sports, SBS and and all other sites just gets people... Giddy. Um, the thought of Liverpool winning the Premier League at at the Wacker. how would it work though?
3: do wouldn't work. They have to play the games at like at 3 two a.m. morning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A two
2: a.m. kickoff yeah. over here for it yeah. to work over there. I'd love oh, to see what would happen to all their endorsements and marketing and um sponsorships. Is what I was thinking about. I'll I think you, yeah. I, I, I
1: think the best part is the the comments from people who try to justify how it could possibly
3: work. it oh. uh, so may it may sound like a, it's a, it's a plausible idea, but oh, uh, is it is it, short... is it is it being bankrolled by the one the Football Exchange? I, think that's what <laughs> <watching>. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. Is
1: this is this more believable than cryptocurrency? I, I don't know. We, uh, the announcement's going to be from the driver limo. I think after a, after a while of being around the Perth football landscape, you become incredibly cynical about any story because probably 99.9% of them fail to come to fruition. So this is just another one of these that we uh, we can add to the list. It's uh, it's almost it, it's bizarre. Um, the quotes from the, the Perth senator: We have almost new, no new cases. It would just be a case of some co- quarantine for our friends when they arrive, and then we were up and running. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, That's it. Yes. So yes. Uh, now, now one club official confirmed their interest in the idea, telling the Sun, "We go on world tourism pre-season This is no different, and the climate in Australia is ideal just now. Wait on Monday and Tuesday when it's piss and rain, and let's see, uh, <laughs> let's see if they're so keen on the, the little trip to Perth then. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's 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 bizarre. It, it is. But what bizarre. it does
3: do, what it does do, you know, I suppose you take a step back. It does show you to um, get this nonsense story about the EPL. It does show you how how lucky we are to live in Perth that this stuff's even being talked about right now you know what I mean
1: I think so and and from a, another positive perspective it also shows the impact that Perth has had over the past two years with regard to the tour for Manchester United Leeds and also Chelsea before that, yeah. that. if yeah. Perth was a kick and the, the facilities were rubbish and the hotels were terrible it wouldn't even be a part of an offer. But because of the impact that those games had, the crowds were, the games were well attended. There was a buzz around the place and the facilities really, let's be honest, are second to none that you can, Stay at Crown, which is fabulous. You can go five minutes and you're at the Stadium, and you can go a few minutes down the road to the Whack at the train. So if you're if you're talking about a hub, it's not a bad place to be. But 92 games in yeah. <laughs> in Perth. I mean, look, if we were talking two or three friendlies and over a course of a long weekend or something, possibly. But and and Jewel Arena, could you imagine trying to keep the fans <laughs> out out of that place? To, to, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've seen I've seen people scale the fence for listening out and uh, future music and all that. <laughs> that. I do, can you imagine a lot of overweight, uh, football deprived fans with the Premier League sitting under their doorstep? That uh, is going to require the biggest security operation in, in the state only, history. Uh...
3: The only upside is that all the pubs in June lap are shut, so people won't be spilling out the old Bailey uh, <laughs> to the <laughs> arena trying to knock the fences down.
1: Uh, the thoughts of hanging out with Dele Alley and Kyle Walker in dusk? Yeah, is. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I could go for a bit of that for sure. So, uh, I, know, I mean, like, while, I, while, I'm, taking, while I'm, I'm making a no joke out of the whole thing, I definitely would get involved. Today if oh,
2: I'd we'll be, be all there. over that shit, but, yeah.
3: but, you know. But, like... it's, but it's not. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not going it to happen. I mean, like the um, Daily
2: Mail has now jumped onto it, um, if anyone was interested to know that oh, the Daily that's, Mail that's, is now That's just plugging raised it. the
0: credibility, the old bloody Daily Mail. Don't yep, get started you know, on they're, all,
2: they're all over it at the moment. Um, so they've just released an article um, saying all 92 games should be played here. And this Gary Williams guy seems to be some sort of hotshot agent. So I'd love we to need hear to get him. him on the
3: podcast. Get him on the yep. podcast. Who's, who's the senator? I've never even heard of the senator. I've is never it?
2: heard of him. And uh, Perth is now the centre of the sporting universe in Australia. I saw that
3: one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, So,
2: sorry, MCG. Um... Well, I,
3: thought, I thought Belarus is the uh, capital, <laughs> sporting capital of Australia right now.
2: Um, they did okay, a cute that... little celebration over there, actually. Just yeah, no that thing is still going.
1: <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to something that uh, looks like it is going to happen, and that's the return of the A League. So there was uh, uh, sources and whatnot, but ESPN were the first with the article uh, saying that the preseason, tra- well, the uh, variation of preseason training will kick off on July the first, with the remainder of the season to commence on August the first. That would lead probably a lot of games being crammed into the space of four to six weeks so that the season could start proper again in October. Um, Blaine, what are your thoughts on this and how the games could possibly uh, eventuate, where they could be played? Um,
0: And is this the right move? Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to have to
2: um, come up with some kind of a
0: plan for a return for the league. Obviously, all the other codes are kind of jumping in um, on board with it as well. Um, The one thing that does concern me, um, even when we talked to Granny uh, two weeks ago, I think it was now, um, and it's also, um, I think there's been a couple of other players come out and they've said uh, the lack of communication hasn't been the greatest uh, from the FFA, which seems to be a bit of a theme over the years, but you think in times like this they could uh, be making a little bit more of an effort um, I think Tony Sage was on 6PR saying uh, a couple of weeks ago that the possible plan was to play all these games at Gosford. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not here nor there. If they're going to pick a ground, that's as good as any. Um, it's probably one of the cheaper ones
3: to play at. Um, have, the, uh, have the have the goalposts been uh, secured? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Are the a... sauce bottles ready to go? Yeah. Like... Do we do we get our own purple sauce bottle if that glory sort of gets based there? Does every team have its own sort of bottle That's a mascot? We get H P sauce. Because, <laughs> you know, the glory gorilla, he'll be quarantined when he gets over there, so we've got to have a sauce bottle ready to go, surely.
0: He's probably ready to punch on with Marvin. Yeah.
3: <laughs> why? Yes. Um, can I just ask, um, why August? Why are we waiting for... Uh, three months to restart a league that was suspended about six weeks ago. AFL and NRL seem to be starting a lot sooner than that. Um, why August? I mean, we're, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be going sort of head-to-head with the, you know, NRL and the AFL are going to be getting right to the finals at that stage. So public exposure is going to be minimal um, and it seems an awfully long time to, to wait. Any, any insights as to why we're waiting so long?
2: I think it comes down to the FFA. I read an article, them saying that there is literally no possibility of them returning before the end of June. They won't, they won't allow it. So it must be August. Well, the season will re- um, start. but you speak to the players. Yes, they're keeping up their own fitness regimes, but they need a good solid month of training. So I think it comes mm. down to that already. We're already in May. They kickstart training end of May, train from June, July, let's hope. And we've also got to remember that um, although the restrictions here have eased, over in Victoria, Yeah, Uh, yeah, they're all still under lockdown the guys can't get out and train with any of each other so here yes maybe in groups of 10 they can uh which is great so you can split them up and then but it comes down to finances and how many conditioning coaches you've got and you know a lot of the lads haven't really been playing a lot of them have taken a bit of a step back to spend time with their family so i think it comes down to that Really, but mm. Mm. I think the
0: luxury that we also have is that we only really need a month to be able to finish the season. So to be able to get it yeah. into yeah, yeah, time, yeah. um, compared to having to try and fit in, um, you know, a full season, the whole season. like the other, yeah, yeah, other yeah. codes, I think we've got that luxury of being able to wait and, I guess, do it safely and properly.
3: I'm just thinking more of the public interest. I mean, you know, if you ask a lot of people who was top, you know, what the A League ladder looked like six weeks ago, I'm sure nine out of ten couldn't even sort of tell you. Um, and now we're restarting a season, you know, three or four months later. That's or five or five months later. That, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Look, I suppose any football is better than no football. It's just, yeah, there's, maybe it is. You isn't. are right. You are right, Don. There are different, you know, yeah. There's different things going on across the country, but we are very lucky where we are.
0: Maybe it, it is a little bit of it a seems good to tester. A long time. Sorry, Chris. Uh, maybe it is a yeah. little bit of a good tester about how. If, it's, if we're only going to go up against the AFL and NRL for a month, maybe it's a good little yep. litmus test to see how it actually does run against those two codes in a full 100%. capacity. And
2: considering they can't get any crowds in and everything like that, I, I don't, I'm uh, really excited to go up against the AFL and all that because I always hear we can never do it. Um, I see no issue because, you know, no one can have crowds anyway. So it's not like people are going to be pulling teeth on who's playing where um, and who's going to go where and watch where. So I think the times will all be different.
1: I have a suggestion. Maybe they could um set up like a like a like a hub in Perth and use Optus the stadium, the Wacker, uh, HBS Park, and journal barina and play all the games in a short space of time.
3: I just came to mind there that you know that could you know be a possibility. Why don't you play them, as, play them as as warm up games for the EPL game. So we could have the, the A League <laughs> games at eight o'clock at night for a couple of, have a couple of A League games back to back and then they'll roll into the three AM kickoff for uh, Man, be Liverpool. What do you reckon? Beautiful. The football couple of the world. I will fight. be all universe. over
2: that. <laughs> the universe at the moment. Um, I I will be very happy with that. Uh, I don't mind going to watch a game of football at two a.m. That's fine. I'm up anyway with a little kid at home, so. <laughs> Give
1: me somebody something else. Me, to do. So, somebody, get me Gary Williams' email, and we'll get this settled. Oh, I've, yeah. yep.
2: I've yeah. literally just uh, tried to. I've just connected with him on LinkedIn, waiting for him to accept it, and we'll. Uh, I reckon
3: what's happened, Gary, Gary Williams. Gary Williams has had some had a drunken conversation with someone in one of his rallies in, in England last night at about ten o'clock, and he's probably waking up about now to about, <laughs> about three hundred missed calls. <laughs> Six hundred Facebook messages go. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, one, one man who's
1: uh, who is talking about it, looking forward to coming back is Tony Sage, who said that uh looking forward to the season resuming uh, and all of that. So, you know, I, I guess from a glory perspective, with the, with the staff and everything else, they feel like they they still got unfinished business with the, with the league, um, with the players that are there, because there's, there's going to be plenty of players out of contract and. You know, from a football perspective, we want to see as much of the likes of Diego Castro as we can, and and you know, not having those games robs us of, of watching players that we enjoy and and games that are that we're missing. Um. So, I so talk me, through,
3: oh, talk me through. Talk me through what. So, I remember about a month ago, Tony Sage uh, was amongst the first of the owners to basically stand down um, the players and the staff. Yeah. What's What's the status at the minute,
1: Donna? You know, you're a you're a a, a lady of the people. What's oh. Happening?
2: Um, yes. Yeah, so...
1: I mean, I mean, I uh, know. Yeah. Yeah,
2: well, you know, yeah. <laughs> thanks now. From what I hear, obviously, we know that they're not the only club to do that. And I mm. think, um, you know, the clubs that are more in a financial position, um, e.g., like, you know, Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City, who have other people bankrolling them and whatnot, um, are not, you know, they're not taking that step. But from what I hear, their contracts also, if, um, they choose to want to leave while being stood down, they can with no repercussions so if, I don't know, whoever says, hey, you know what, I, I want out now, I'm not happy, they've got the option to do that and they can't they can't stop them. And I think that's the, the scariest part for a lot of clubs, um, losing some of their players. And especially when you look at Perth Flory's um, status of players, you don't want to lose anyone yes. at this point in the end. If they are going to resume it and they're going to play final football, you're going to want all of them. But I still haven't had clarification because no one can answer this question and uh, maybe no one wants to answer it. If the players are out of contract by August when you resume the league, what happens? Do they still have to stay on? Because they don't actually have to. Legally, their contracts, once their contract is ended, they can obviously extend it. I'm sure there's some sort of rule and clause, you know, we'll pay you an extra couple of months to stay on, whatever. But legally, they don't have to, and if they've got a better offer somewhere else, they can actually go. So I we,
3: we, we, we won't want to have a uh, we won't want to have a Bryce Cotton situation, would you? Where Castro decides to walk out on? The see early, you later. Uh, yeah. When, when the season's about to start, uh, restart. You know.
2: But do they then? Does that mean we're going to have the shortest off season ever, and we're going to see football again straight away in October? Like what happens? Because that would be amazing.
3: Well, <laughs> I, I, th- I think I think for, this is
1: this is probably one of the few situations where the A League playing less games will work to its advantage because rolling. Yes. One season straight into another, you're pretty much only going to end up with the same amount of games you really should have anyway. You know, thirty two, yep. thirty three, thirty four games. Um, if you if you roll, go from one into the other, and then you also have to look at um, MacArthur coming in. Um, yeah, yeah. So so it it it's going to there, there is plenty of things to. Uh, yeah there is there is plenty of things to consider um but playing that amount of games you you look at some of the guys even who've come over from playing in england i know simon cox has been on twitter asking for updates and saying you know when are we going to hear anything someone like him is used to playing 46 games in the uh the football league in england so plus internationals when he was in the ireland setup so you know him him looking at going from playing five or six games having a month off and then going into another season of twenty, what, seven, twenty-eight games is not going to be an issue. Yeah. So you know it's probably what we should be doing anyway. And yeah, the fact is they're still they're still they're still only playing one game a week. It's not like they're playing Saturday, Wednesday like they do over there with cup competitions as well. So I think I think that would actually be a step in the right direction, showing that players can handle more than just the basic amount of games that we get at the moment. So I would be hopeful that uh, we go from one pretty pretty quickly straight into the other. Um, all right, let's move on to the local stuff because we've had the announcement uh, this week of the ability to uh, gather in 10, groups of 10, uh, which is fine. Um, but the problem we've got with football, I suppose, is that there's no uh, – no contact allowed, no shared equipment, social distancing still in place and all of that needs to be adhered to. Um, Chris, what were, what were your thoughts when this came out? I, I know that you've been looking forward to getting some sort of football uh, kick-started at, at local level and especially oh, pr- for I'm teams pretty... that have gone through, through pre-season and now having to, to stop <laughs> and probably losing all of that fitness, now we have to go again. So, yeah,
3: what yeah. yeah. Oh, look, it was great to finally see some light at the end of the tunnel more than anything, I'm sure, like you sure like myself, Neil, you've probably got 150 people messaging you, messaging you every week saying, why the hell can't we get back to training? Um, look, at the end of the day, you're right. You know, All the clubs, all the life clubs had a big fitness um, pre-season ready. We were, we were far and ready to go. We were probably about three or four weeks away from the season kicking off and obviously things got put on ice. But look, at the end of the day, um, you know, who would have thought we'd be sort of sitting at the start of May ready to go again? So it's great that we've now got some go ahead. Um, albeit restricted, but I think any, any, you know, it, it's just been bit by bit. So last week, um, you know, obviously the state government said you could get together in groups of 10. The Football West said, well, no, you can't because you can't train. And then on Friday, they've come out and said, now you can train. Groups of 10 with, with restrictions, uh, which of course everyone got all excited about. And now the councils are saying, no, you can't train. <laughs> so it's like, it's like uh, we're wrenching closer and closer to getting back to it. So it's great that we are even having the conversation. of have able to get back to the training over the next, um, you know, probably over the next week or so. I would say uh, it's just about getting all the stakeholders aligned and making sure everyone can get back on the uh, back on the pitch as safe as we can. You just hope that everyone, all the clubs that do get back out the train, do the right thing. Don't start going out there playing, you know, full full blown games and that sort of stuff because. We could have a Bondi Beach situation on us where the government says, well, you, you know, you, you gave you an inch you're taking a mile. So as long as everyone does the right thing, then hopefully once we get back in, up and running for a couple of weeks, then we you know, we might see some restrictions eased back. I think we're – what are they calling it? It's like a level A, level B, level C that the AIS has released. I think the Football West stuff at the minute is sort of floating between level A and level B, which is where the 10-person thing comes from. And what we want to get to is level C, which would be a full-blown resumption of training. And games. But look, it's great that we're even having this conversation that, you know, that there is an opportunity for people to get out and start training because I think, um, you know, most people in the local league I spoke to probably three or four weeks ago, they've, they've probably given up on the, um, the idea of playing any football this year, to be quite honest. I think it's a credit to all the people of WA and the, the WA government that we've managed to get on top of this thing quite quickly and um, get back out on the pitch.
1: Like, yeah, uh, I, 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 I was sorry, but I just just a real quick one. I, I was I was one of the ones that was really skeptical about it, and I didn't really see it um, happening two or three weeks ago. But now we've made such a massive improvement. But one of the barriers that we've got. These local councils. So Football West have released these guidelines and also given diagrams about how a pitch can be broken down, um, what you can do. But can you can you tell us a little bit about the local council? Because I know a little bit myself
3: uh, and the, and the restrictions that they are keeping in place. That's going to prohibit things from resuming. I think to I think to be fair, that the councils Football West put this out at I think six o'clock on Friday night. Um, whenever I had gone home from work <laughs> on the council. So they've, they've probably now, uh, every 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 footballer in, in Perth and every club in Perth is now on top of their council saying, can we get the uh, get the floodlights? Because um, it's access to the ground and floodlights and that sort of stuff that we really need. So the councils, I think, have just said, well, well just well, and we deal with the Luck council. They're quite right. They said, look, look just hold up. Um, you know, at this stage, it's still the 31st of May. We need to speak to Football West and other stakeholders and if it's going to be eased back, we'll allow it. Just don't expect it to happen straight away, which I th- which I think is fair enough. So I think the risk people take is if they decide to go in groups of 10 and do training on the park, uh, you know, they might get pulled up by the rangers or they might, you know, they might get in trouble from the council. Um, it is public open space, but at the end of the day, if you're, if you are running organized training, you are meant to have licenses and all that sort of stuff. So um, permits, sorry. So it's a bit of risk management for everyone, I suppose. Um, you don't want to piss off your, you know your stakeholders, who, who who are the councils. I spoke to Football West uh, rep last night, and they are onto the councils tomorrow to um to try and get them try and get everyone aligned. I, I think, like we're saying, this is this 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 thing in Perth, this recovery that we've gone through over the last three or four weeks. I think it's just caught everyone on the hop, and the fact that you know, like we're saying, Neil, a couple of weeks ago, even you as a footballer were, we're cynical about getting out there. I think the whole thing's just caught everyone by surprise. You know at the speed that we've been able to even be having this conversation. So I think my message to everyone would just be just be patient. We don't even have a start date yet for when the season's going to kick off. So you know a few day a few days here and there of getting things aligned with the council. Hopefully uh, we'll be good to go sooner rather than later.
0: So uh, Chris, there's been no um, word over the weekend besides you reaching out to Football West in their latest kind of release, which was dated the May the first. Um, uh, they said that there's going to be some possible announcements over this weekend. You haven't heard anything, uh, yeah? Sure? So
3: they, they sent some guidelines out of uh, yesterday in the form of a memo. I've stuck that up on the WA Sunday League page, and what that is is a guide for, I suppose, coaches to understand um, how the spacing arrangements can work. So what they're saying is, because uh, people were asking, you know, groups of ten was that is that ten people per half? What they said is you can divide a football pitch up into four areas, four quadrants, uh, and you can have ten people per quadrant. Doing your sure. own training session, um, you can. There's a bit of uh, <laughs> a bit of confusion about whether or not you can use um, share balls, you know, footballs. It um, one page says you can, and one page says you can't. Um, but word from Football West is uh, you can. You can share. You can share balls, uh, but no other equipment can be shared. So so bibs and water bottles, obviously things like that, can't be shared. Um, they want people rocking up, ready to go. So no congregating around the change rooms. No sticking around for a beer. Um, after the game or anything like that. So it is very basic. Get out there, have it, do a bit of work, do a bit of fitness, some non-contact drills, uh, and go home. Um, which, you know, I think the fact that everyone's been cooped up for the last seven weeks, wondering when football's coming back, I think most people would be taken, happy to take that. Um, and hopefully, you know, if WA keeps going the way it's going, then we might see that relaxed even more uh, later in May.
1: So the um, sharing of equipment, you can share balls. So you can do passing drills and that sort of thing.
3: Yeah. So I think there's a bit of a – I think the, the advice conflicts itself from, from page yeah. to page, but, but the advice from football west is balls are okay to share.
1: That's interesting because if you're doing a, a heading drill where you, you throw the ball up for people to head and they're sweating yeah. and they head it back to you and you catch <laughs> the ball, I mean, that's yeah. not one of the, at the, at the best of times. Um, no,
3: no.
1: So that to me would be a complete sharing of equipment and bodily fluids so <laughs> you
3: know, that, that that to me is, uh, is quite surprising Neil, but, Neil, uh, don't, yes. Neil don't give them any ideas just balls are okay uh, and we'll stick, and we'll, and we'll sure I know sure. sure what are you doing
1: uh, <laughs> well you know if you're going to do it you're right like that that just strikes me as being um, a bit of a, a bit of a step too far forward but hey sure I'm not going to argue um no it's it is it is positive overall we're actually as you say Chris back at this stage um you may have my thoughts a few weeks ago yeah it was just there's no point I mean because we have to we have to get into the stage now and, and it's already happening with people overthinking things around what a season is going to look like yeah. uh, whether there's going to be a proper home and away season promotion relegation can we play 15 games a week all this sort of stuff it's like it, I just was I, I was of the opinion that if we do come back it, it might be more hassle than it's worth because let's face it if, it, if there's a, a half a, a half season when there's not an even home and away spread, and a team gets relegated off the back of that. Oh, the lawyers are going to be out, uh, I think that we could be we could be in in store for a fun off season with um with with stuff going through
3: that process again. Because especially well, the, at the, the, the higher levels, the rumours I've heard is that Football West are pretty keen to see a full season. Um, I've heard that midweek games are going to be. I think it's something like that maybe every second week. Midweek games might be getting a look in. Um, so, I think that's in the higher leagues, you know, sort of MPL State, Amateur Premier League as well. The lower leagues um probably be, have to be a little bit more flexible. But the higher leagues, from what I'm hearing, football, we definitely keen to try and see a 22-game um, captured, which to me, it's just, you know, you're probably starting in June or maybe July, sort of mid to late June maybe. Yeah, I think
1: that's I think that's incredibly ambitious for even amateur Mm. football. I can't get twenty people to train in midweek. Never mind getting (laughs) thirty for two games.
3: Like, well, well, let's not forget. Don't don't forget how far we come back. We're coming six weeks though now. I mean, geez, we must have put a line through the season as a whole six weeks ago, and here we are getting ready to get back to training. So let's just see what they come back with. Um, Obviously, we are very constrained by access to floodlights, um, and and, and, you know. um, facilities and the like. Um, so we'll, we'll see what they come back from and see how realistic it is. Maybe we can <laughs> play it up, up the stadium. And, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> At <arena>. the
1: WACA. <laughs> <laughs> HBF wins Park. Wins. Park. Yeah. Oh, that's get the wall aboard.
2: Chris, in terms of Football West and communication with clubs, I think the biggest thing um, I've been focusing on, obviously because of my work with DTF India, I find that mental health support yeah. is huge um, because I speak to a lot of players within the A-League who are, past and present, who are struggling at the moment, um, especially over East because of the restrictions yeah. and, you know, your mates and a lot of players that leave clubs and whatnot because they obviously don't have that companionship anymore and they feel that disconnect. What has the support been like, in your opinion, with Football West and providing that support to clubs and educating them through this process? Because the A-League, you know, the FFA, yes, they've been releasing what they can, but from what you hear, they haven't had the greatest of communication. Has Football West stepped it up in Look, terms I think- of that?
3: I think to be fair, this thing did come out of the blue. I've always, I'll be honest, I've always been fairly critical of Football West's approach to mental health. No. I've always said, I've always sort of said there should be a, um, yes. like, a, like an RUAK round sort of thing, uh, to yep. promote it, which they haven't done. But to be fair, this thing came out of the blue. Um, they have been sharing resources with the clubs, um, okay. to, you know, for, for mental health, um, for, for access to mental health, um, uh, you know, um, websites and, and guidelines and, and, and the like. They have been setting up the, um, you know the the FIFA competitions for people to sort of um, get 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 involved yes, the with, E-League, but yeah, the e league and that. So I think to be fair, they've done they've done what they can. Um, the clubs, from what I'm aware, most clubs have been in a similar boat where they've been organising you know Zoom check ins, um, their own sort of FIFA comps and all that sort of stuff. Because okay. I'll be honest, that you're exactly right. As soon as this all this kicked off, um, sort of five or six weeks ago, the thing that scared me the hell the most uh, out of everything was just the mental health impacts. Correct, because. Yes. Mental health is already a huge issue in not just, you know, society, but in our football community. We've had a number of, we've had, yeah, we've had a number of suicides over the last few years. So it's been a real focus uh, for us and then taking away people's you know their outlet out. uh, yep. yeah, yeah that's absolutely. right yeah the outlet yep. of people are able to go and kick the ball it's just been huge and you know it's, you can't even replace that with going for a beer with your mates down down the pub so no, we've been, yes we, so we got onto it very quickly we've set up um okay. you know a, a club zoom check-ins and that sort of stuff uh right. football west i think yeah they'll be sharing the resources could they've done more i think maybe what they'll do is like everything with this coronavirus they'll probably look back and say yeah, what worked, which what didn't work, and what could we have done better?
2: Yeah. Look, I understand with Football West, um, they also had to let go a lot of their staff as well, and mm. quite a few people, um, that have been made redundant, um, so their yeah. jobs permanently gone, which is quite sad. Which is obviously happening across the nation and across the globe at the moment, which is completely understandable. But as I, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think that mental health is one of the most important things when it comes to sport, especially because there's also an after of sport. Yeah. You know, the guys. Yeah stop playing, injuries, whatever it is, contracts come to an end, they've got to go back home, visa requirements. So I was just wondering, you know, I see I see stuff that Football West has put out, but um, I agree. I think there's there's got to be a lot more that can be done um, across, across the league because it is, you know, for some people it's their safe zone to come yeah, exactly. out and just be with exactly. their mates, um, you know, on every level from juniors upwards.
3: Yeah. So we've got a, at my club, we, we, we actually have a, um, club welfare officer that we brought in, um, okay. la- last year. So she's a, she's a registered sort of, um, she's a, exactly. a mental, me- mental health nurse. So she's the first point of contact for anyone who's wow. in the club to go to with issues and she'll send them the right way. She is swamped at the minute with work, her own work. <laughs> um, but, of course, uh, yeah. but, but we, um, we, we brought her in because we recognized that, um, yeah, and she, and she works closely with Headspace, Um uh, just that. You know, yep. we've got a responsibility as a club to, to look after our guys, you know. And um, you know, I I think it'd be good to see I don't know if they do if we always have any partnerships with they, with bodies like Headspace and RUIK U OK and that sort of stuff, but maybe one to take out so once once things get back to normal is you know, they might they might um put a few measures in place to partner up with some of those agencies and have a bit more dedication to that. Um yep. you know, going forward with the season.
0: Yeah, a bit of a, sis say, if anyone is struggling out there, 13, 11, 14, that is lifeline. Make sure you get onto that and have a bit of a chat with someone and, and seek some help. Um, just another bit of a uh, question for you, Chris. A lot of a lot of things have been talked about, a possible restructure to football in Australia. Mark Swartz has come out and said that he basically wants to see state um, federations dissolved, uh, wants it all under one clean unba- uh, umbrella, uh, so to speak, I guess. Um, there's a fair bit of talk out of the East Coast like that. What's the thoughts um in that capacity coming out of, you know, Western Australia and how we possibly sit a little bit differently to, to state federations on the East Coast?
3: Gotta admit, by in these days I have sort of stepped away from standing committees and the likes. I'm probably not as closely involved in those discussions I used to be. Probably the, the most disappointing for me most disappointing thing for me is an outsider to all that is just um I've heard and seen such really good things about this technical director who'd come in um last year. Um, he'd been over to Perth a number of times and I'd heard about his vision for the game and what he wants to do. And then for him to walk away a few months ago, just with his, um, you know, with his, with his hands thrown up in the air, disgusted with what he'd seen. Uh, I think there needs to be some serious changes. Now, what they are, I'll, I'll leave for more qualified and experienced people than me to make the call on. But I think if you've got someone like that, who is very well credentialed and seemed to be well respected by everyone who had dealt with him since he came into the role for him to walk away. It really does set off a lot of alarms for me about where the game's going.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess I'll just I guess add on to that and ask you another bit of a question on the similar kind of theme. Um, a lot of people are saying it's a it's a really big opportunity what we've got at the moment and a unique opportunity um, to try and find some good out of the whole kind of COVID lockdown situation. In your eyes, is it a bit of a chance to maybe try and get finally, I mean, we've been talking about this for years and years and years, but to finally try and get the system right in terms of connecting all tiers from grassroots to state league, you know, amateurs to state league all the way through NPL and A-League?
3: You would hope so. You would hope so. I think you are right. There are some things fundamentally wrong with our system. I mean, in fact, you've got kids being priced out of the game. Um, Very talented kids currently being priced out of the game. Um, uh, with, with club fees surely needs to be one of the first things to be looked at. And I think, you know, the fact all over the world, um, you know, people are questioning, um, just, you know, the money that's involved in football, um, and for what it actually, you know, for what it actually, what it actually delivers. Um, I think there's going to be some real questions asked about, um, you know, what we value most as, as a football community. And I think really it needs to be about getting as many kids playing as we possibly can. And then identifying those kids, um, the, the right way and not pricing the most talented kids out of the game, which seems to be happening over the last five, ten years and probably starting to be reflected through in what's coming through the national team. So you are right. It's probably a chance to, to reboot. I, I've got to admit, I, I do wear a black hat when it comes to things like the A league. I, I, I just, I'm just, I just don't think I'm, I'm just very, very black hat in the sense of just how financially sustainable the whole, the whole league is. Um, whether or not it's a house of cards waiting to fall in and COVID might be the uh, the gust of wind that maybe blows blows it all over. So we'll see uh, see where we end up.
0: I'm just going to jump in there just quickly again. I mean, obviously, you, big personally, uh, you're a massive Perth Glory fan, obviously, back in the old NSL days. I guess it's fair to say you fell out of love, um, as you just alluded to there um what was the what was the tipping point for you in it, it was it just life in general just moving on to kind of bigger and better things
3: did work get in yeah the way well i don't know if, i don't know if having kids and stuff and the family and taking away from the football bigger and better no i'm just kidding um <laughs> look i it it, it, it it yeah life changed for me when i was um yeah like when we were back in back in the shed back in the 90s and and, and those good days um Life has changed. I'm now a grumpy, middle aged, uh, old man. Um, and it also, I think what had happened was because I was heavily involved in Sunday soccer and, um, I think around maybe 2006 or seven, Perth Glory moved a lot of their games to a Sunday afternoon and it just started interrupting with my own, um, football commitments. And then I just, then you know, I just fell away from it after that. So I look, I take the passing interest and you know, I'll watch it. It's on the TV. Um, but I'm definitely, uh, unfortunately had to take a step back from, uh, all all, all, all the good things we used to do back in the day, Blaine. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun, though. I've made a lot of good mates along the years, and uh, yeah, got a lot of good memories. Yeah, a few
0: few trips down to Collie, I think it was.
3: <laughs> trips to Collie, trips to uh, trips to Parramatta, uh, trip trip to Brisbane, where uh, for that GF, where a certain bloke freeloaded his way back to uh, yeah, back to the game. And for, another for, certain bloke
0: fell asleep on a traffic cone. me if I remember.
3: I know, I know, I what a bloke. bloke. And then I uh, didn't even realise where I was actually standing next to. Uh, I was actually standing next to Neil, who uh, I didn't even know at the time. We were actually stood next to each other in the grand final um, at, at, uh, in Brisbane. And we just, so a few years later, when photos started emerging of the crowd that day, I sort of said to Sherwin, mate, was I standing next to you at that game? And then it, so it's funny how it's funny how, funny how how it all works out. And that photo uh, reappeared again this week, I think. It must have been the uh, <laughs> it it, se- 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 seven or eight year anniversary of, uh, of grand final weekend.
1: A truly iconic photo in WA football history, without a doubt. It's one for the one for the one for the pool room. Need to get a high res
3: of, copy. One of the one of the greats.
1: It is definitely you know brings up uh, good and bad memories every time I see it, which is pretty much on a yearly basis at this stage. So uh, it's, uh, it, that was uh, that was uh, the trip of all trips for me anyway. That was that was a sensational weekend despite the results. So it was a cracking weekend. You uh, you definitely miss that that sort of stuff. Um, and that, that's part, whether it's at local level or whether it's at A League level. They're they're are the reasons we're in football, you know, and, and get around it. It's the it's the it's the camaraderie. It's the making of the friends. It's the sharing those experiences and all of that. And I guess that's probably tying into what has been missed over the past couple of months since since football was, was stood down. You know, you you go through a preseason with the same group of lads. You start playing night series. You get into that team spirit again, and you share those. Those wins, those losses, and you're yeah. gearing yourself up for a season. And I, I think it was it was the begin, the beginning of April. It was the first due to be the first day of the season that weekend. And I was just thinking, shit, like this is this is so weird. Normally, I'm out from you know ten half ten in the morning till about six o'clock in the evening. If I don't go for a beer or two afterwards, <laughs> and that's your that and that's your Sunday.
3: You know, that's that's oh, just the, what you've gotten used to. The kick the kicker for us was that weekend. Was our club Kingsley now Kingsley West worked so hard over the last three years to. Um, to push on, win the Amateur Premier League and then um, get ourselves into the State League. And um, We had a great year last year. We won the Premier League and won the Cup and then we sort of moved out of the Amateur League and that weekend was to be our first weekend in um, in, in the State League, round one of the State League. Uh, we were due to play Kelmscott on the Saturday evening and we were planning, you know, big family gala day with bouncy castles and face painters and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah. It all, <laughs> it all got the rug got pulled away from us quite quite quickly. So frustrating after such a uh, after building that momentum over the last few years. But um, hopefully just temporary. And we are and we are um, sort of getting back to The other thing there was like you're talking about the guys who you know have a, have a kick together and have a beer together. It's also the guys who don't do that. The guys who are part of the club but they're in the background. You know the guys who you know work behind the bar or they you know do the team management side of things. Um, because um, you know that be, a lot of times those guys, football is re- a really big part of their life as well. So it's it's hard for everyone, but I think you know, hopefully over the next couple of weeks we get start to get some start to get back to some sort of normality with things. Um, it's certainly heading in the right direction. I think everyone's just got to be patient. And we'll be back there. We'll be back there soon enough. Just a quick
1: look to the future, then uh, Kingsley have worked their way up through the leagues. It, it's such a similar. Path that was taken by my own club, Durham United, a few years ago, yeah. and went all the way to the NPL. Um, obviously, there was there was uh, barriers along the way, for want mm-hmm. of a better better term. Um, and I guess is, is Kingsley have have a few cases they can look around to, maybe learn from some mistakes, do things their own way a bit differently. You're getting the upgrades at Chichester, which is fantastic. Uh, what what is the the roadmap and what is the future looking like for Kingsley? You've got the merger with, with Westside now, which brings the juniors yeah. into the club, and that and that is such an important part of any club's development these days. Is having that generation because what I'm finding and seeing around the leagues is that maybe five ten years ago there was a massive hub of amateur players to draw from. We had five or six leagues. The teams were. We, you know, everybody was flowing, but now you're seeing teams drop out. We had Warmber dropping out of the amateurs, which is a, a big thing. They've been so strong for years, yeah. uh, and it, it looks to me like there's a, there's a, a drop off in the, uh, the pool of amateur players as people have gotten older. Kingsley obviously have an amateur setup as well, and are keeping that in conjunction with the state team. It's what we did at Lup United as well, because it's, it is a very important important part of the club from a social perspective. Yeah. But uh, do you see? Do you see having that that uh, that pathway? I guess from juniors into seniors. You also you have an amateur option and you have a, a state league option. Will that stand you in good stead with the
3: plans for the club as as a whole? Yeah, I, I think so. I think having that senior option. So we, you know, like like you said, we were a club that hadn't had juniors for probably ten or fifteen years since um, there was a bit of a split and Woodvale got formed and Westside. Had a gap where they didn't have top level seniors, um, so the two the two came together, and over the course of probably eighteen months, um, some negotiations um, that 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 all came you know that all came to fruition, which was great, and it meant that we you know we we've got a talent base of juniors that can come into our senior setup, and they've got a uh, you know both an amateur and a, and a state league. Um, Organisation for their, you know, for their players to uh, progress to, which is great. I guess just touch on a couple of things you raised here, The the Chichester redevelopment, yeah. I mean, I guess we've got to wait and see what happens now. Um, I think money is going to be uh, at a premium, you know, across all levels of government, and uh, so that could probably go one or two, one or two ways. I think it either gets sort of pushed right back, um, and the council. Yeah, it finds other things to spend the money on, road upgrades and that sort of stuff. It is in the budget, or they might say, you know, we need to do some stimulus projects, um, do some construction, and they might bring it forward. So we'll wait and see, um, you know, what, what the council come back to us. It, it would be great to see the ground redeveloped because it is. You know, it was built in, I think, 1980, and it is well past its use by day, particularly if we are going to be using it for state league football this year. With regards to lessons learned from June Light, yeah, look, I I agree. You know, I'll be honest, it it scares me a little bit, um, seeing, you know, how quickly you guys had the success, and there are parallels between the two clubs. Um, so I went and spoke to, um, Rudy Proctor and Nick Jennings from, from June Light United last year, and just got some honest feedback on, you know, what, you know, what, what they could have done better or differently as a club. To try and um, you know to try and make sure that you know the benefits of going up uh, are, are sustainable. I think how uh, you know we're not we're in a position to you guys where our ground isn't NPL compliant, um, you know, and I, I don't think it ever will be um, with you know fencing and seating and all that sort of stuff. So the question becomes, you know, do we ever become an NPL club? If you know, if we're, if we're fortunate enough to progress, um, I don't think we'd be progressing as quickly as like United did, um, but if we ever got ourselves into that positions so got some good feedback about those guys i think like you said neil the the, keeping that link between the amateurs and the state league is really important um you know you can't be you can't be clubs within within the club you know what i mean you've got to you've got to have that strong connection um um, so hopefully you know hopefully i think the fact we're going up with a fair bit of momentum is is probably a double-edged sword in the sense that um you know we're going up with a bit bit of bit of success best behind us and, you know, the chances are we'll hopefully be able to compete pretty well in the league this year in State League too. Um, but, you know, if you look at the June Lap United and, and the Gwellops and other teams that have gone up from amateurs, that those teams that are successful in amateur league tend to uh, also be quite successful in uh, in State League. So uh, it does, does scare me a little bit, but, you know, the boys want to play at the highest level they possibly can. So we'll just uh, try and facilitate that. Yeah, well, I think we wish you all the best and it's
1: going to be interesting to look at your battles with the local dog walkers. Um, <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> I'm sure Sir Rice, I definitely don't miss that part of it. Uh, but from, yeah... And from a from a personal perspective, I'm delighted Kingsley are gone out of the amateur Premier League because it gives us the uh, the rest of us a chance uh, with something to play for because they were <laughs> just so, just so good and a lot of it comes down to the depth. You know, you look at the teams that have done well in recent years in the amateur Premier League or even got promoted to the the amateur league. They've always had depth in those squads, good reserve teams that could go and hold their own in yeah. against most first teams. And you guys have carried that now into the uh, into the state league with a, with a very good squad. You know, it's not about getting 11 or 12 or 13 players it's having that 25 26 guys where you can drop people in that's that's where you get the momentum from because they all want to play for each other and you you end you end up getting guys playing reserves who should be playing first team elsewhere but they're just happy to be at the club and we benefited a lot from that camaraderie
3: yeah we're we're the same we were lucky enough out I mean our, our, our reserves team at Kingsley became a powerhouse I think yeah they won the league four years in a row um before going up to state league so um, you are exactly right. You, you could take anyone out of that reserve team and plop them in a, um, in the first team and, and they could, uh, they get the job done. But interestingly, I don't know if you guys covered it, but Jacob has been putting his predictions up on the football WA page across the MPL state league and the, uh, amateur league, but don't I? How you feel, Neil? But basically, all four tipsters have picked Quinns to win the amateur Premier League this year. You uh, agree with that one? I mm-hmm. know. Well, obviously, you're you're a bit you're a bit conflicted because you are head coach at June Light United But would you say <coughs> Quinns are the Queens are the Quinns are the team to beat?
1: Uh, look, Quins are our local rivals, and we look forward to the Friday and Saturday night games when we play them under lights. It's brilliant, Um because they're always close games. But last year they were excellent. They they brought in some good players and. Uh, I watched them a little bit in preseason in the night series, and they, I was kind of uh, I saw some little uh, little holes there that maybe we could pick up. But yeah. overall, there uh, for me, they probably will be the team to beat. Um, yeah, I was a bit, I was I was happy and sad at the predictions for my own team because it looks like we might fly under the radar a little bit in terms of uh, <laughs> being mid table or below. But that's fine. Um, but yeah, now I think I think Queens have have done well. They also benefit from the fact that they've got a strong state set up and they get players who stay at the club for quite a long time. They've got yeah. good facilities up there now as well. So you, you look at the catchment area that we've got Kingsley, Junlup United, Caramar had now have new facilities and merged with Shamrock Rovers, Quinn's up, up that part of the world. The northern suburbs have got some seriously good clubs. And that's before you even get to the MPL sides like ECU yeah. and Sorrento. So yeah. down the leagues, you're looking at teams and the amateurs with Hammersley have gotten new facilities as well. Uh, Kareem, that's oh, yeah, I used to play for them as well. And there's there's just so many clubs up, at, up this
3: way that have ambitions and yet
1: are still kingsway,
3: kingsway have done you know like kingsway things where you grandstand i've built it uh but they have packed with police and you've got Wanneroo around there
1: as well and, and the city of Wanneroo is pumping money into into grassroots football which is great to see to, in terms of facilities and backing it so the northern suburbs and i know that people have always talked about whether we could sustain a second a league club and all that in perth and it's probably a bit too ambitious but in terms of NPL level and maybe a second tier or whatever. Having something out of the northern suburbs in in Perth, there's there's so much going on here and so many good clubs with good people running them that you could you could yeah. definitely make something happen. And you can just see by league results and promotion and the good news stories, a lot of them do come from the northern suburbs of teams working yeah. their way up. So. Uh, I think it's great, and it's competitive. And as as I said, I look forward to playing in Queens every year because we hate each other on the pitch. But afterwards, we all know each other at this stage. We've been playing in the same leagues for five, six, seven years. You know the guys. You know it, it's that sort of that sort of rivalry where you you can have a chat afterwards, have a beer, and give give each other shit on Facebook. But then when you play football, you you, you want <laughs> to kick lots of them. And, and that's that's what you need. That's that's the way it should be. So it's good. so
3: so it's official then that Perth Perth's the sporting capital of the universe, and the northern suburbs. It's the sporting <laughs> capital. The sporting capital of the sporting capital of the universe. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Self-appointed, we'll take. All it. aboard. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I look. We'll
1: wrap it up there for today. Um, Chris, thanks a million for your contributions and giving no us worries. a insight into the local leagues and Kingsley and everything else. And best of luck with all of that. Donna cheers. Blaine, Cheers as yeah, always. Thanks, guys. We'll, thanks uh, for joining we'll, us, Chris. No thanks. Team. My pleasure as always we'll catch up in the next couple of weeks and um yeah in terms of us you can follow us on facebook twitter instagram all at far post perth so thanks a million for listening and we'll be back soon with another podcast thanks for
0: listening to the far post perth podcast you can keep up to date with everything football by following us on facebook twitter and instagram at the far post perth